This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Rosen traded to the Dolphins. I couldn't be more excited to become a Dolphin. Rosen looking down the field, and his pass is going to be caught for the touchdown. Good afternoon, but only if your team went to Foxborough and beat the New England Patriots with a first-round bye on the line last Sunday in Week 17. Welcome to Fin It to Win It. I'm assuming if you are listening to this podcast, you qualify to get a good afternoon from me on this Saturday. Uh, we're transitioning into the offseason here as, as Dolphins fans. And one of the, obviously, the looming mountain of hope on the horizon is the 2020 NFL draft. The Miami Dolphins are scheduled to have three first round picks. We already know where the first two of those are going to fall on the draft order. 5th and 18th, and then wherever the Houston Texans pick lands in the order, that's where Miami's next pick will be, and that's why we're all Buffalo Bills fans today, right? Because at 4.30, the Buffalo Bills are going to play the Houston Texans in Houston, and if Houston loses that game, that pick will be no higher in the draft order than 21st and no lower than 24th. If Houston advances to the next round, that pick is 25th or, or, or worse for the Dolphins. So we're all Buffalo Bills fans today. Uh, but then obviously the Dolphins have their early two. They have the New Orleans Saints two, and then they have their own early three. So we've got a lot to get into. I'd like to talk today, first and foremost, uh, about prospects that are scheme fits for the Miami Dolphins with these uh, first 32 overall selections in the 2020 NFL Draft because I just released, uh, my name is Kyle Krabs, just released a top 245 big board over at the Draft Network. That's my full-time gig is covering NFL draft prospects coming over into the pros. It was 245, and it's now 244 because Ohio State corner Sean Wade, a very, very talented corner who would have been a great scheme fit for the Dolphins, has just announced like 10 minutes ago that he's returning to school. So... It's a 244-player big board, but on that big board, I want to cover some of the names that stand out to me as prominent scheme fits for the Miami Dolphins in the 2020 NFL Draft. Going to try and do these in tiers, separate this into top 10, 11 through, because the Dolphins are going to have one pick in every third of the first round. They're going to have five Inside the first 10, they're going to have 18 in the second 10, and then they're going to have wherever this Texans pick, unless the Texans run the table and win the Super Bowl, this will be between 21 and 30. So 
Without further ado, uh, the names, the top 10 names on my personal 2020 NFL Draft Big Board, as of right now, Chase Young, defensive in Ohio State, Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU. Defensive lineman Derek Brown from Auburn, Jeff Akuda, corner from Ohio State, Tua Tonga Viola, quarterback from Alabama, Jerry Judy, wide receiver, Alabama, linebacker Isaiah Simmons from Clemson, Jedrick Wills, offensive tackle from Alabama, Tristan Wirfs, offensive tackle from Iowa, CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver, Oklahoma. Those are my top 10 names. And of these, obviously Joe Burrow is the no-brainer attachment to make because Joe Burrow might not have all the physical tools, but if you watched Joe Burrow play this year, he's so sharp mentally. He does everything before the snap that's necessary to get his team in the best position. He understands where he's going with the ball, so it's very rare that pressure gets to him. He has the ability to extend plays within the pocket and make things happen downfield. He's accurate. He's smart. He's sneaky athletic. He's a lot like Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he's got like marginally better physical tools, but he's got that same like magnetic energy about him. And people are going to say, oh, well, if he's like Ryan Fitzpatrick, why would you want to invest in that? My comp for him is Tony Romo as far as his skill set on the field. Ryan Fitzpatrick, what he did this year for the Dolphins, it's much better than what you saw for the vast majority of Ryan Fitzpatrick's career. So I'm not comparing Joe Burrow, the prospect, to the entire package of of who Joe Burrow is as a player, but from the intangibles perspective, the leadership perspective, the chip on his shoulder, the fear, fearlessness that he plays with, the the magnetic personality that draws teammates to him, and, and he's able to bring the best out of those around him, was much like what we saw Ryan Fitzpatrick do once he was reinserted into the offensive starting lineup around midseason. And that makes him such a home run fit for the Dolphins. They're not going to get him. He's going to Cincinnati at number one. It's fine. You can win with number of quarterbacks, and as we've seen from quarterbacks that have drafted, we've talked about this on this show before, quarterbacks that get drafted, the situation and the coaching is equally as important as the physical talent. There are physically talented quarterbacks in this year's draft. And the Dolphins, for the first time in a long time, it seems like, have a coaching staff that's able to take talent and develop them and make them better. So I'm not overly worried about, am I going to be stressed if Tua Tungo-Viola goes back to school? No, because Miami is going to do their due diligence, and they're either going to find a quarterback that they fall in love with, that they feel confident in, or they're going to pass the buck to 2021, in which you've got Justin Fields, potentially Tua again, Trevor Lawrence. So Miami's not handcuffed to do anything here. But I think that is a takeaway before we continue on the path of talking about fits uh, for the Dolphins. It's okay for the Dolphins to swing at a quarterback, and it's okay for the Dolphins to miss at a quarterback. Uh, there's this general perception that you're, you're going to set your team back if you swing and miss on a quarterback, and maybe so. Maybe, you know, in the, in the long-term view, you might have some years that aren't invested in the way that you'd like because you're not going to get the stability out of the quarterback position long-term. But I would argue, especially with the rookie wage scale being the way that it is now, there's no shame in swinging and missing on a quarterback. The... Sin is what the Dolphins did with Ryan Tannehill, which was deciding to sit 
and be complacent at the quarterback for years because you had a young guy. If he's listen, the first three years of Ryan Tannehill's career in Miami were filled with promise, was filled with an ascending player, and then he plateaued. And there's no shame. Think about what the Chicago Bears are doing with Mitchell Trubisky right now. Mitchell Trubisky's year two was good. Now, people are going to look at Mitchell Trubisky now, and they're not going to want to say he's the long-term answer, and that's fine. The Chicago Bears will only make the, the true sinful mistake if they choose to invest in Mitchell Trubisky for five or six years just because they picked him early in the draft. If you have a positive trend line on a quarterback, you're fine. As soon as that trend line goes flat or comes back down, you've got to introduce competition to that room. Think about the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills took Josh Allen at seven. Did not play very good football. And let's be honest, Josh Allen's not a world beater right now either. He is against the Dolphins because the Dolphins can't get any pass rush, and he'll just sit back there all day. He's fearless in the pocket and picks the Dolphins apart because they can't get any pressure on him. But if the Buffalo Bills see Josh Allen flatline next year and regress and he starts turning the ball over again more, then yeah, Buffalo needs to start thinking about bringing in some competition. The Chicago Bears should absolutely bring in some competition. But to swing on a top 10 quarterback with tremendous physical gifts, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you're not going to financially cripple your team. Is it counterproductive in the long run to have a guy taken in the top 10 who doesn't pan out? Sure. But if you're going to get positive play, even if it's for a short time, before you have to look yourself in the mirror and be honest about it, there are people out there who who advocate for teams who need quarterbacks drafting a quarterback every single year. And I know for a fact there are Dolphins fans that feel that way. And the Dolphins didn't draft a quarterback for a long time. The only quarterback that was drafted in like the last five years in Miami was Brandon Dowdy in the seventh round. Would I advocate taking John Beck and Pat White in the second round? No. That's pretty rich for guys that are going to compete to be your backup with Chad Henney, who was also a second. So they spent three second-round picks in three consecutive years on quarterbacks. Like, pick a guy to be your starter and then pick late-round guys. Look at Jacksonville with Gardner Minshew and coming in and outplaying Nick Foles. There's no shame in swinging on a quarterback, even if it's early, because you're not going to financially cripple your team the way you used to. Look at the contract Sam Bradford got versus the contract these rookies are getting now. Look how the Arizona Cardinals looked themselves in the mirror and made a difficult decision, and and Miami took a low, relatively low risk, speaking from a perspective of draft capital and financials, to take Josh Rosen off their hands. Arizona looks to be in pretty good shape. Josh Rosen was a lottery ticket. Let's be honest. The Dolphins' plans were always to draft a quarterback in 2020. We've been told that since January 2019, three months before they traded for Josh Rosen. That's why I don't bang Chris Greer too hard for making the deal. You got to roll the dice every once in a while. You can't be afraid to play scared. And and Dolphins fans are so used to these draft picks are so precious because the Dolphins never have any because the Dolphins keep trading them for veteran players or trading to move up in the draft. And they never get any compensatory picks because they haven't gotten any since 2017. And like, I get it. But we're running a different kind of show now. 
So if the Dolphins walk away from the 2020 NFL draft and they draft a Justin Herbert or a Jordan Love, don't stress. You have to be able to swing the bat, and the Dolphins have the ammunition to recover and manipulate the draft order to consistently be churning new talent into this team. Swinging on a quarterback, even if it's not the one you specifically want, there's nothing wrong with that. The, the, the problem is when you commit to that player for far too long than you should, which is what the Dolphins did with Ryan Tannehill. By year four, this team should have been adding competition. They didn't, and it blew up in their face. Let's get back on track here. Talking about the draft, we're going to talk about some of the uh, potential scheme fits for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Chase Young's another name that comes to mind, another name that won't be there for the Dolphins. Uh, Derek Brown, the defensive tackle slash defensive lineman from Auburn, is about as close to a unicorn prospect as I've seen thus far relative to his size, his strength, his mobility, his versatility. He can do everything, and I think that would be really appealing in a Brian Flores-type front. So if Tua Tungle-Viola ends up going back to the school and the Dolphins choose not to use their first pick at five on a quarterback like Justin Herbert, Derek Brown's a name that I would circle hard for the Dolphins because if you put Derek Brown on a defensive line that has Christian Wilkins and Devon Godshall on it already, I'm running three-man fronts all day. I'm using one of my next three picks for an outside rusher. I'm hoping I get another outside rusher in free agency. And this defensive front five or four is ready to go to war right now. And they're going to be disruptive. Derek Brown could play the base end. He could play three technique. He can play a one technique. He can be the nose tackle in pass rush situations. I've seen him line up outside offensive tackles and take the edge as a pass rusher. At 320 pounds, he's a freak. Be a great fit for the Dolphins. Jeff Akuda, the corner from Ohio State. Uh, an- another name opposite Xavier Howard. We know how much the Dolphins are going to be implementing defensive backs. So if the Dolphins are going to be factoring in personnel scarcity that they have on their roster right now, Akuda may take preference over a Derek Brown just because the Dolphins corner situation, Nick Needham came a long way in 2019, and and I was pretty down on Nick Needham in preseason, so I want to tip my cap to him. Uh, He's made me eat my words with the way he played down the stretch for the Dolphins. Xavier Howard has uh, the the recent domestic violence issue that's arisen that we need to get some more information on. Uh, Xavier Howard also underwent knee surgery again, which is really scary when you consider the Dolphins uh, extended him on a five-year extension worth $76.5 million. But that's why the Dolphins structured that contract the way that they did. The Dolphins can get out of that contract after next season with like minimal cap damage long-term. That's why you front load your contracts, and that's why the Dolphins had to prioritize getting some damn cap space available to them because they haven't had cap space. They've been up against the cap and kicking commitments down the road instead under Mike Tannenbaum. So that's one of the great philosophical changes that we've seen Chris Greer implement. I don't think Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb makes a lot of sense for the Dolphins. Uh, Chan Gailey, obviously new offensive coordinator coming in here. He's run a lot of modern spread. You look at what they did with the New York Jets and uh, uh, a lot of spacing, a lot of quick game. Uh, I think the Dolphins at wide receiver, could they use a talent upgrade? Yes, but do I think they're going to prioritize it? No. Isaiah Simmons, uh, the linebacker from Clemson, is another name that is a absolute home run scheme fit for the Dolphins. You, you think about Simmons 
you, if you watched the college football playoff semifinal against Ohio State, they had him playing deep middle, and he had an interception break into the sideline, so you know he's got range. He can play linebacker, middle linebacker. He can play nickel. He played man-to-man. You go back and watch the college football playoff semifinal against Notre Dame last year. He's playing against Miles Boykin, who's a fourth-round pick to the Baltimore Ravens at like 6'4", who ran 4'3-something. Simmons played man-to-man coverage against him in the slot and won the rep. So just just a, a tremendous amount. You think about what the Dolphins wanted to do with Mika Fitzpatrick. You can do that with a guy who's got an extra 20 pounds on his frame in Isaiah Simmons uh, and, and a guy who hopefully won't have such an ego about, I want to play free safety because I want to go hunt the ball. So I think if you look at the top 10, Joe Burrow, home run scheme fit. Chase Young, home run scheme fit. Neither one of those guys is going to be there. Derek Brown, Jeff Akuda, Isaiah Simmons. And I would bring in Jedrick Wills, the offensive tackle from Alabama as well. Those are four names that are home run fits and good value for that fifth spot to Atunga Viola notwithstanding. So Tua Tungavail is going to announce his decision on Monday, whether he's going to be coming out or going back to school. Uh, if he comes out, obviously that's a very attractive option for the Miami Dolphins, and he's fifth on my board. So uh, we're, we're just kind of in a holding pattern, and, and it's exciting that we're going to get that answer sooner rather than later. Uh, underclassman declaration is still about two and a half weeks out, so these guys, if they wanted to, they have every right to. Uh, take as much time as they need to to make that decision. But it sounds like Tua uh, had a meeting with some doctors in New York this week and uh, should, should be using that to kind of finalize his decision and we'll get some clarity on what he's going to do. Uh, 11 through 20 on the board. Defensive end A.J. Epinesa from Iowa. Corner Christian Fulton from LSU. Wide receiver Henry Ruggs, Alabama. Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle from Georgia. Safety Grant Delpit, LSU. Uh, defensive end, Yatur Gross Matos, Penn State. Caleb Von Chason, defensive end slash outside linebacker from LSU. Uh, wide receiver, LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. Uh, interior offensive lineman, Creed Humphrey, Oklahoma. And Xavier McKinney, safety from Alabama. If I'm looking across this group, I would point to the best scheme fit being A.J. Epinesa, who's at 11. Epinesa is big, long. Heavy-handed, heavy anchor, really good in the run game. He's a power rusher. You think about all the things that Trey Flowers was for the New England Patriots for Brian Flores. And the Dolphins actually pursued Trey Flowers until the price tag got to $19 million last year. Uh, I think there's a lot of similarities there. Epinesa is more productive. He's been more productive at Iowa. Uh, so I think that is the the home run fit. Obviously, the question then becomes... You know, are, are the Dolphins investing in a defensive lineman at five with Derek Brown? And if they do, how does that change? Is Epinesa even on the board? So, I mean, we're going to have these a la carte options here where pick one from this bucket, take one from this bucket, and one from this bucket. And it's it's going to be really fun to see all the combinations people can cook up in the meantime. But uh, Epinesa is definitely a home run scheme fit. Uh, Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle from Georgia is a popular name. He entered the season as the consensus number one offensive tackle prospect in the class. Thomas, I think, is a fair scheme fit for Chan Gailey's offense because he's really powerful at the point of attack. He can create space for for runners. 
at left tackle. But more importantly, Thomas has some stiffness in his game. And what I mean by that is he's not very dynamic in his lower half. He doesn't have great mirror skills if you're able to isolate him in one-on-one in pass protection. Uh, when he's when his range is tested, he has a, a poor habit of getting out over top of his toes a little bit. He's a stereotypical uh, power offensive tackle. That works better for Chan Gailey's offense because of how often the ball is out quick. You know, you kind of you, you try to mitigate your offensive line a little bit by having the quarterback make so many crisp, quick decisions with the football, more of a horizontal passing game to disperse and create spacing and stress and then find the stress spaces in the defense, and that's where you attack. So if Andrew Thomas was going into a Bruce Arians-type system, as an example, in Tampa Bay, where they love to push the ball 20-plus yards downfield, you inevitably have to hold the ball longer for those plays to develop. And I don't think Andrew Thomas fits in that. So I think Andrew Thomas is a better scheme fit today for the Dolphins than what he was three weeks ago because of the changes that the Dolphins have made. Grant Delpit and uh, Xavier McKinney, the two top safeties in this class, are kind of cut from the same cloth. They're really versatile guys. I think on the back end, either one of them would make sense. Uh, Do I see the Dolphins prioritizing safety, though? Probably not. I think Eric Rowe has strong safety lockdown. You've got Bobby McCain, who showed some promise in his first year transitioning from nickel. I wouldn't hate the value, and I wouldn't hate the pick, but I'd be surprised if that was a priority for the Dolphins in the first round, given some of the personnel they already have on the roster. Uh, Which brings me to uh, another offensive lineman, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. He's a true center. He's a very much like a wrestler kind of build. And you think about the, the, the Dolphins really struggled with creating push and creating gaps. They just got steamrolled backwards at the offensive line this year. Creed Humphrey is not that kind of guy. He's got a little more anchor to him. Uh, he's not super long, but he's a close quarters blocker, and he can turn guys out and use their momentum against them to create gaps and spaces. And I think that that would be a huge upgrade for the Dolphins. Now, fortunately, with interior offensive line, the positional value might have this be a player that's available with the Dolphins' third first-round pick, even though I have him grade a little bit higher. Right now, I'm really not skewing the board for positional value. And then two defensive end players, Yatur Gross Matos from Penn State and Caleb Von Chason from LSU. Uh, different players, both very good against the run. Gross Matos is a little heavier. Um, he's more of a traditional down man on the line of scrimmage. Uh, he plays the run very well with short area quickness and length. Uh, he's very fluid and very explosive in short spaces. He's a little raw as a pass rusher still. Uh, so that addition, we would need a polished guy on the other side to play the open side of the set. And then you put gross mottos in space and rely on him with his explosiveness and speed to power and length. And, and you kind of coach him along and bring him up as a pass rusher. And I think that that's a desirable model for him. Whereas Chason is not the size of Jadavion Clowney, but he fits some of the same traits as far as how the Houston Texans used Jadavion Clowney. You can, you've seen LSU use Caleb on Chason. Um, where he's more of a a stand-up player that can work off ball a little bit and twists and stunts, and uh, you can use him a little bit in coverage. Not that Clowney was used a ton in that area, but really, really good run defender, but more of a slashing 
uh, penetration style defender that can crash through gaps instead of Gross Matos, who's going to stack you up a little bit more. So Miami, interestingly enough, has expressed interest in the Trey Flowers of the world, and they've expressed interest in the Jadavion Clownies in the world. So there's a pathway for them to be able to prioritize an Epinesa and slash Gross Matos or a Kalevon Chase on, who's a different style player. Uh, I think the Dolphins have a ton of flexibility, and I think that will lend itself very helpful to them as they progress through the draft itself, looking for the perfect blend of skills. Look through the back 10. Now let's do the 12. Javon Kinlaw, uh, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, C.J. Henderson, Tyler Beattis, Mikai Becton, Justin Herbert, Kenneth Murray, Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor, Curtis Weaver, T. Higgins. That's the top 32. Of this group, Mikai Becton is very much on the Dolphins' radar as far as what I see Patriots-style players and how they can transition into the Dolphins' offense. Mikai Becton, if you're unaware, is a six foot seven, 370-pound offensive tackle. Think Trent Brown, who was with the Patriots for a short time and played his best career year and went on to get a, a, a record-setting contract from the Oakland Raiders. That's what Mikai Becton is, but he's more fluid than Trent Brown. He's obviously younger than Trent Brown, and he's more violent than Trent Brown, believe it or not. Uh, this was a player who remade his body and really, really, I think is a home run fit for the Dolphins, whether that's in the late first or if they wanted to try and roll the dice and see who was there in the early two. Obviously, Justin Herbert is the other name here that's really prevalent for Dolphins fans. Herbert, uh, I think the Changaley offense would be helpful for him because Herbert uses so much quick game and screen game and spacing concepts at Oregon. It's a little bit more translatable to what he's done in college, uh, Changaley versus the the Chad O'Shea-style offense. Uh, I would say this, though. uh, The question with Justin Herbert is going to be, how does his personality fit within a locker room? Can he be the guy? And that's something that we still need more information on. But the Dolphins are clearly enamored with Ryan Fitzpatrick because of his ability to be the guy and the presence in the locker room. Justin Herbert has some questions on whether he's that kind of personality. And that's that's a, a big deal. And the report from Matt Miller from Bleacher Report yesterday was nobody's done more work on Justin Herbert than the Miami Dolphins. Good. They need to figure out just what kind of guy he is behind closed doors and how much of a leader by example and vocal leader he can be because that's going to carry a lot of clout for the Dolphins. So I hope you guys enjoyed this peek into the first round of the NFL draft based on my most recent top 32 big board. Uh, there's going to be more adjustments to this board, so stay tuned. I'm sure we'll be back talking about them again. I want to thank you guys for listening to Fin It to Win It. Go Dolphins. Go Bills. Go Titans. Let's see all these teams knocked out, man. Enjoy the weekend of football. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. 